Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara, alongside Mike McNamara, uh, live via Zoom from uh, sunny Florida. We're live up in the Merrimack Valley today on CAP. And uh, if you have any questions on this or anything else, uh, that we are talking about, that you'd like to chat about, uh, give us a ring, 978-454-4980. Again, that's 978-454-4980. Or if you want to shoot us an email, questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com works. All right, so we're getting into some more numbers. Oh, no, I should reintroduce our show, Get Get Braver or Poorer. Uh, and uh, we've been going through the the interesting in investment environment that we find ourselves in, which is uh, you just really don't get paid anything to be conservative. Not that you ever have, uh, but uh, now more than ever, it's it's very very difficult to, to earn a buck uh, while being conservative out there. So I think we're gonna we're gonna do some stock market numbers here. Yeah, I uh, I did a fair chunk. Um, there are a couple of great uh, websites that I that, that I use for something that most of this information. One is the S&P 500 at your fingertips. Uh, but the other one is a cool software program. I think you, you probably portfolio visualizer. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, I, I've used it. You, you want to take a look. If you haven't rarely. used it, it's awesome because you can assemble historical portfolios and see how things work. But anyway, so uh, a credit to primarily portfolio visualizer for the returns and stuff I'm going to talk about for the, the next half an hour. But, you know, we, we've been telling you how stocks work and, and what you should do. But now I'm going to show you some actual history, okay, about stock performance. And, and what I decided to do is do the absolute worst examples. Okay, so so in, in my mind, if you go back to April of 2000, Okay. okay. From from April of 2000, we had a terrible, terrible, terrible stock market, and then we had one 10 years later. Okay, two, well, seven seven years later, 2007, eight, nine. Okay, so we have had two terrible stock markets. Okay, in the last 20, well, less than 20 years now, 19. And so my thought is, as an investor, I'm just going to start investing in April of 2000 which was a miserable time to invest. And folks, the, any, any of the numbers that I'm gonna cite here are the worst that you could possibly have done, not counting the Great Depression and the Great Crash in the 29, which is the world was a whole different place and uh, we have a whole lot more regulations in place to protect ourselves. But anyway, so please keep in mind, 
that all these numbers, okay, are the worst examples I could give, not the best, to try to make some points here. Okay. All right. So, so, and I used portfolio visualizer to do this and it's pretty powerful stuff. So here we go. Uh, you, okay. you, you do know that we pay for a software like this. You're, you're always out there poking around the internet and finding free stuff. Uh, we, yeah, some of the software we pay, we pay money pay for. for. <laughs> it's too complicated. Okay, uh, give me the retail version anytime. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so here, here's the deal. Okay, so if you just owned, and folks, it's really hard uh, to do numbers on the radio, so I'm going to try to do the best I can. Uh, but if you have a pencil and paper nearby, if you're serious about this stuff, you might want to jot down a few of these just so that you can remember or you don't get confused, okay? And by the way, uh, none of these numbers, uh, assume any costs for owning the investments or any management fees, by the way. So I must disclaim that right up front here. But I, it, it's the point that I want to make, folks, and it's a pretty powerful one. So, so yep. if you go from April of 2009, so scenario one is April of 2000, okay, to February of 2009. Okay, so, so basically, February 2009 was the bottom of the second worst bear market. So you started you started at the beginning of one and ended at the bottom of the second one and they were basically 10 years apart. Terrible 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 time frame. Okay? Okay, uh, and so here so here's the deal. Okay, if you had 100% of your money in the S&P 500, okay, for those, let's see, from February of 00, I'm sorry, from April of 00 to February of 09. So what, what's that? You know, eight years and change, something yeah. like that. You had a minus 7.11% per year return wow. on your stocks it's per year. Okay. That's per year. Okay. That's, you know, exacerbated being down the 50% and then, you know, you're, you're at the top, the bottom, you started at just before the first one, you ended just at, if you sold all your money and left sort of thing, terrible. Okay. But you had a minus 7% return per year in stocks, by the way, the U S bond market, 5.83% per year, same period of time. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to call that the worst eight years just for purposes of explanation. Okay. Stocks minus seven, bonds plus five, eight, three. Should have had all your money in bonds. Who knew? That, does that okay. include dividends? I wonder if you, I wonder if you don't have dividends there. Yeah, okay. that's a good question. Maybe not. Okay. Probably, anyway. It's probably just the price. So yeah. as if you're, if you're, if you're living on your dividends. Yeah. And by the way, if you had all your money in cash, it was 2.72. Okay, so right. looking backwards for the bad eight years, okay, should have had all your money in bonds. Well, who knew? Sort of a thing. And by the way, that's probably why bonds still have some of their luster for some folks. Anyway, so so here's the hard part. Okay, so so what I did, okay, is I constructed a portfolio, a 60% stock and a 40% bond portfolio. Okay. Okay. And the stock it's, piece, the stock it's, it's piece. It's a negative. I'm sorry. It's a, ne I think it's a negative seven. One, one. Uh, it's a negative 7% return total, not yearly. Yeah. Okay. It'd be like, it. a, be like yeah. down a point per year. Yep. Just, just, okay. to, be, just to be clear. Th thank you. Okay. Yep. Anyway. So what I did is I constructed a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio. Yep. Okay. okay. And I did, and I did three of them, but the stock pieces all remained the same. So the 60% in stocks, here's how I divided it. Okay. 30% in the U S total stock market, not the S and P 500. Okay. So 30% in the U S total stock market, 20% in the total international developed stock market and 10% in the total developing stock market, the world stock markets. Okay. In, in, in that portfolio. Okay. So that's 60%, 30% U S 20% international, 10% of it. That stays the same in all three examples. Okay. okay. I, I, we'll get to the fourth one later. Okay. The only thing I did is on the 40% bond piece. Okay. I bought one bond investment in the first portfolio. I bought the bond market in the second portfolio. I bought intermediate treasuries. And in the third portfolio, I bought short treasuries. So, so all I did, I'm, I'm going to make a point here as we go yep. along. So anyway, so, so in that bad eight years, 
Okay. If you had the portfolio that had the bond market, okay, in terms uh, of its uh, return, okay, uh, you, you earned a mere 1.7%, but it wasn't negative. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. If you had the portfolio with the interme- uh, intermediate treasuries, you earn 2.5%. Okay. And if you had the portfolio with the short treasuries, you earn 1.52. So not, not very good returns. That is the worst eight-year period I can pick on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, going back to 1929, folks. Okay. So if you had a diversified portfolio, you squeaked by with, you know, one and a half, two percent return wasn't the end of the world. It sure wasn't pretty. Okay. So that's the bad eight years. That's how I would call it. Okay. So the next thing I did, okay, uh, is I'm going to call it the okay 15 years. Okay. And and so I, I started at the same time that miserable April of 2000. Okay. And I just went out to March of 2015. So okay. that's a 15 year holding time. Yep. All right. So, so I'm going to give everybody five numbers. The first number, six numbers. The first number is what did the S and P 500 do during this 15 years? 2.39% per year. Okay. Okay. What did uh, the bond market do for those 15 years? 5.39% per year. What did the st- uh, what did cash do? 1.77% per year. Okay, here comes the fun. Okay. In those 15 years where the US stock market earned 2.39%, okay, the 60/40 portfolio with the bond market, 5.74% per year return for 15 years. The 60 60- 40 portfolio with intermediate treasuries, 6.07% per year for 15 years. Okay. And with the short treasuries, 5.07% for 15 years. Folks, if you had any one of those globally diversified, almost no brainer portfolios stuck by your guns, you average between five and 6% a year. Okay. During a terrible 15 years. Terrible. Okay. There's a point there, folks. Okay. So then I said, let's take a look at 20 years. Okay. So all I did is I started in April of 2000, the same miserable, awful, scary time. (laughs) Okay. Did those portfolios. Oh, by the way, and rebalance them once a year. I forgot. Okay. So we're rebalanced. Okay. All right. So, so for the 20 years, starting in April of 2000 to March of 20, U.S. stock market, 3.04% per year, standard and poor's. Okay. Bond market, 4.85% per year. Okay. Cash, 1.61% per year. Okay. Diversified portfolio number one with the bond market, 5.09%. Diversified portfolio number two with intermediate treasuries, 5.36. Diversified portfolio number three with short-term treasuries, 5.46. Hello, diversification, rebalancing, patience. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then because it's been such a fun 20 years and uh, nine months, I took the April 2000 and went to December of 2020. Okay. So it's like, you know, 20 years and nine months, whatever. And obviously we've had a great run. So anyway, stock market for those 20 years, 4.59%. Okay. Bond market for those 20 years, 4.88%. Cash for those 20 years, 1.56%. Portfolio number one, 6.18. Portfolio number two, 6.38. Portfolio number three, 5.51. Folks, it didn't make much difference. If you had a good smattering of stocks from all over the world, and it didn't make a whole heck of a lot of difference what kind of bonds you own, they all worked swell because it was a great time for bonds. Those were your returns, and you can probably live on those for most folks. Okay. Okay. So, so that's kind of the point. Okay. If you have a long enough time and if you're diversified, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be a good investor. Okay. But, but being a good investor just runs contrary to a lot of human traits that one has to be disciplined about. Okay. So, so then, 
I, d- I did one more thing, and this this goes to the future. Okay, wait, now, now, yeah, okay, so. you know, just to be well, I, I want to catch up. Um, yeah, we the all the numbers that you just gave us, you know, they they do include a terrific bond market. So are we going to look forward? That, that, you know, that, the whole point exactly, of this show is yep, is yep. that. Uh, bonds are going to be returning lower than their long-term averages going forward, and so yep. what does I guess that what you know what does that mean for the future? Well, and that's why I did the cash portfolio. I've been okay. holding that back. Okay, so so I did a portfolio. Okay, the the same stock portfolio, but I put in cash. Well, by the way, the cash averaged like two percent. I think if bonds earn two percent returns are going to look like the cash returns for that period of time. That's a guess on my part. You okay with that? Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so to your very good point, you're cheating dad. You didn't include cash. I just did that. And the cash looks like 2% bonds without the volatility, by the way. Right. So well, yeah, you- but also probably also without some of the, uh, yeah, without some of the volatility dampening effects of that, the stock market as well. That, but okay. Yeah. I'm with you. That, that, that is correct. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so anyway, okay. So uh, let's see. So let me do it this way here. So, so the, the short story is for those 15, actually for those 10, 15 or 20 years, any kind of a well-diversified stock stock portfolio and any kind of a bond portfolio because bond returns were so good, rebalanced on a regular basis. Okay. Worked out pretty well. Okay. For those investors, but how many folks went went through that? How many folks had the understanding and the disciplines and the courage and the patience and the financial wherewithal to be able to go through that? I don't know. But, but my point is, if you know that maybe you can be paired for that sort of a thing. Okay. So, okay. The short story is things looked okay with a diversified portfolio portfolio primarily because bonds had a terrific run yeah during that period of time that's it okay yep. so okay so what i did next is i said well if, if cash has earned about two percent for that period of time okay i just put cash in those portfolios and i think what the numbers look like uh, might be what things look like for the next five ten years yeah okay that, that's that's a guess on my part but the you know, based on some history, I'm making that guess. And so here we go. Okay. So the first thing I did is I'll just do a 60, 40 portfolio. Okay. So those, those stocks are the same. Okay. And I put 40%. Okay. In the bonds, 60 in stock market. Yeah. 40% in cash in cash. All right. So this is 60, 40 with cash. Okay. So for the bad eight years, the return was 0.46. Okay. For for the 15 years, 4.23. Okay. For the 20 years, 3.76. And for the 20 years plus 10 minutes, 10 months, 4.82. That's a 3 or a 4% return, my son. Yeah. Blended together. Okay, okay. it was cash. Okay, questions or comments about that? Well, that's, that's lower. That's, that's fairly, uh, that's a modest return. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, so by the way, so after looking at history with cash, I just did some simple math without any portfolio, portfolio software. So if think of, uh, by the way, I did, I apologize before I go there. Yeah. So I said, I did a, let's do a 75% stock portfolio, get braver. Yep. And see if it makes much difference. So, by the way, so the bad eight years, the 60% was 0.46. The 75% was minus 0.25. Yep. Okay. For the 15 years, the cash was 423. Okay. But uh, the 60-40 was 423. The 75 was 467, maybe a half a point difference yeah. in return. Okay. The 60, 40 was 376. The 75% was 407 for the 20 years. And for the 20 years plus 10 months, we had 482 plus 544. So you got a little bit more, you know, more money, but it was a half a percent, maybe three quarters of a percent to get braver. By the way, maybe that's what you need to make your life work. I don't know. Yeah. But you, you didn't gain a lot, but you gained some. 
by getting braver, basically, except for the first 10 years. Okay, so, so, so here's the, and this is working out pretty well with my time wave. So here's the math. Okay, if you just say, I'm going to pretend stocks are in seven, and I'm going to pretend bonds are in two, okay, and if I rebalance, okay, here's what, here's what returns look like. Okay, during that environment, 100% bond portfolio is 2%. Right, bonds are in two. Okay, yeah. a 75% bond portfolio is 3.25%. Yep. A 60% bond portfolio is 4%. A 40%, okay. I'm saying the bond piece, not to scare those people, right, Jess? A 40% bond <laughs> piece, 5%. A 20% bond piece, 6%. And a 0% bond piece, 7%. Okay. Or, or let me say, let me go the other way. This yeah. is just math. This is no prediction. This is just math. Okay. If, if stocks are in seven and bonds are in two, 100% stock portfolio, 7%. An 80% stock portfolio, 6%. A 60% stock portfolio, 5%. A 40% stock portfolio, 4%. A 70, a, a, yeah, a 25% stock portfolio, three and a quarter percent. Zero yeah. stock portfolio, two. That's just math. Yeah. The, 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 I, I think if we're right or close, okay, I hope we're wrong. <laughs> but 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 you know, with stock yeah. markets at all time highs and bond markets at all time highs, where do you go from here? You right. probably don't. You know, you hopefully don't crash and burn in both of them. You hopefully just kind of do a slow burn and earn those numbers. Okay, but anyway, th that's what it looks like. So so yeah. the you know the, I'm just setting the stage for the last half an hour here. Okay. I, you know, if that comes to pass, I hope we're wrong or I hope we're not overly right and it's worse sort of a thing. But uh, if, if, if we happen to be in the ballpark, returns are going to be below average and you have two choices, folks. It's, it's profoundly simple. Stay the same. Okay, deal with the lower returns, which yeah. involves maybe changing your life in ways you're not happy about, but maybe that's the best choice, or get braver, and there's a whole set of conditions that come along with that, which we can kind of hopefully deal with in the last half hour here, sort of a thing. Um, take a moment. I know I've been running a lot of numbers, but you're, how about your reactions <laughs> or your comments? So, I mean, this is just backup proof, yeah. okay, to, to, you know, if, if those guesses come true. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, one of the critical things to remember as well is, I mean, we, we are forecasting lower returns. And I think obviously, you know, the, the bond piece of that is going to be a big component of it. Hopefully stocks bail us out. But if they're not, if they're more sort of muted or, or, or below average stock returns, we, we may well be bailed out a bit by the muted inflation that we've seen recently, right? I mean, you know, the real returns as we've, as we've gone over on, on this show already and and, uh, and many, many before it are what you make over and above inflation, right? And so if you look back in history, you know, if inflation was uh, three or 4% and you earned seven in your balanced portfolio, well, that's, you know, you- Wahoo! You know? Yeah, that's not not too bad, right? Because you made, you made yeah. you know, that's, that's, a, that's a roughly 4% real return. Well, that- that math is the same. If inflation is one and you are in five, well, you're in a similar place. It's not exactly yeah. the same, but you're in a very similar place with regards to growing your, your purchasing power. Now, you know, of course that, you know, inflation is an unknown. It's certainly been trending down a bunch, you know, along with the lower rates. And so, you know, maybe things aren't quite as bad as we're forecasting, right? I mean, if the historical rate of return on a balanced portfolio is, you know, let's, you know, whatever it is, you know, pick your number 7% per year with 3% inflation, maybe if it does drop to five with 1% inflation, then we're, then we're in a similar spot. But I don't know that, uh, I don't know that our guess at the inflation rate continuing to be lower is, is probably going to be as accurate or as, or, or we would, we wouldn't guess with as much certainty that inflation will be lower um, than we would with guessing that, uh, that the interest rates are going to be lower, right? So, interest rates, yeah. are, you know, they are what they are right now. And I yeah. think we can relatively safely forecast we're going to get low bond returns for the foreseeable future. I don't know that we can make that same, you know, prediction with as much accuracy about inflation. Right? Well, we Justin, what's, what's your tax prediction? 
much. <laughs> but, you know, there's another yeah. piece right to that. What, what's sure. your tax prediction? That getting better or worse for most folks? I think that's probably, well, I, I would say it's probably going to get, well, for most folks listening, I, you know, I don't, I really don't know. For most yeah. investors who have yeah. money, okay, probably, probably going to get worse, right? Probably, that's a generic yeah. statement, but yeah, okay. I so, would guess that capital gains rates probably go up at some point. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, so, by the way, so taxes are probably going to go up. That's one reason to get braver. Yep. Okay, inflation may, if it doesn't, that's nice. If neither one of them went up or both of them went down, that'd be great. But realistically- it's easy to get better on taxes and sooner or later inflation is going to catch up one way or another, but you're right. Who knows? Okay. But it, it get back to, by the way, we have about 15 seconds, Justin. So why don't you comment and take a break? Go ahead. Go for it. Uh, well, I don't, gosh, she throws me. I don't know. I, th I just did comment on that. Anyways. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll, I think we can run to the break right now. Uh, if, again, if anyone has any questions on this, they can give us a ring. Uh, 978-454-4980. Uh, we're live in the Merrimack Valley today. So if you want to give us a ring please don't hesitate uh, if you want to reach out by email it's questions at mcnamara on money.com and i think we will go to a break cindy We are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Mike McNamara uh, live here via Zoom. Uh, Mike's from sunny Florida. I'm from my home. We have not been in the studio in quite a while ever since we're, uh, we're, we're, we've gotten Zoom savvy here. But well, we're uh, still alive, Justin. So that's okay, right? Okay. <laughs> so far. <right? laughs> Holy cow. Uh, if you have any questions today, uh, we're talking about uh, interest rates and where we go from here with markets and returns. If you have any questions, give us a ring. Telephone number is 978-454-4980. Again, that's 978-454-4980. Uh, we're live on WCAP up in the Merrimack Valley today. Uh, questions at McNamara on money if you want to shoot us an email. And we are ready for the exciting conclusion, I think. Yeah, about about two more minutes of numbers. Okay. Okay, just, just to, to finish the math, okay? Yep. So, so by the way, those, those averages I did from math with 7% stocks and 2% bonds, they didn't assume the bonds went down in value. Okay, uh, so, so uh, what I did is I went to a, a bond duration calculator, folks. That's a, and I forget which one it is. And if anybody needs information or has a question, I'll go dig it up. But the bottom line is, so here's here's what really may happen. So I I went to, uh, okay, so it, it, you you got seven percent on your stocks, okay. But by the way, uh, if you put if your bonds are ten year treasuries, yep. Okay, ten year treasuries at one point one percent. Okay, uh, and, and by the way, okay, if that if that ten year rate goes from if if, you, if that ten year treasury that you bought goes from one point one percent to two percent in two years, your return on your bonds, okay, is minus two point one four percent because bonds can go down in value. So in other words, the bond went right. down in value more than income. So so folks, bonds are more dangerous than cash. Okay, in a portfolio, if if interest rates go higher, so so once again, over the short you, term, yeah, 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 over the short term, if you buy a ten-year treasury today at one point one, and two years from now, if ten-year treasuries are paying, okay, two percent, okay, your return for those two years has been minus two point one four percent. Okay, one more. Yep. If your bond position is thirty-year treasuries it gets even more exciting, okay? If you bought a 30-year treasury in your portfolio at 1.85%, that was a rate, Yep. okay? And if it goes from 1.85% to 3% in three years time, 1.85 yep. to three, okay? Your return on your bonds is minus 5.5% per year in your portfolio, Yikes. okay? So, so bonds can take away return, Okay, if interest rates go higher. Okay, again, just another uh, a factual statement about how bonds work. Who knows right. where they're going to go, but that's how they work. All right, yep. let's get to the fun. Yeah, stuff. assuming again, assuming you sell them, and that's and then if you if you continue to hold, uh, you that interest that uh, your money will slowly come back because you do have the interest payment. But yeah, but when you get your statement and ask for what your returns yep. are, it still says minus. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so the, you know, the, the, the 30 minutes we've got now or 25 is, so what are you going to do about all this folks? You know, what, what are the deal? Okay. And, and my, my first 
question would be, well, do you really know what you have to earn? Okay, gross return or net in your portfolio to either retire happily ever after at some point in the future or continue to live comfortably in retirement. Okay. So we, you know, we've been talking about returns uh, in the absence of your life <laughs> for, for this portfolio. I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, if you have enough money that you can afford to earn one half of 1% a year for the rest of your life, have at it. You know, that's, that's a great position to be. Okay. Yeah. And that, you know, so you kind of need to know, what you need to earn and hopefully it's a realistic number yeah. and then you kind of make a guess about how you mix your portfolio to do that okay not many folks know what they need to earn to either be okay in the future or be okay presently your thoughts on that you okay with that yeah i, I no. you know obviously yeah right I, I you know as a financial planning firm we we most certainly should uh mention the fact that you know returns are just one part of the story and you know you you there there are some folks who could in theory not be too bothered by the fact that uh that in, in you know, uh, interest rates and, and, you know, portfolio returns are going to be likely lower going forward, but that's certainly not everybody. And you want to make sure that, you know, that's, that's why you, that's why you do a financial plan. That's why you stress test it with, uh, you know, with a, with a, a variety of return scenarios and, uh, and not just, um, you know, you don't just do simple math and say, Hey, well, Hey, the stock markets are 10% a year for my lifetime. So I'm just going to use a 10% per year, right? It's, it's a lot more complicated than that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so you want to take a look at, you want to take a look at it in, in detail and, and, uh, and, and make sure you stress test. Yeah. I mean, as an example, if you're a discipline saver, and you have a plan about what you need to earn. And if it's, and you know, and it's not going to be that, then what do you do? You save more. Yep. Okay. If you're a disciplined saver, you have to make up the difference if you want to get to where it is that you're planning to be. Or by the way, maybe you have to adjust where you're planning to be or what you're planning to do in retirement. But oh, yeah. the, the, the reality is that you may have to do some things in your life. You know, there are things you can control and things you can't control. You can't control what returns are going to be. You can try to get your best bang for the buck for the way you've mixed your stocks and bonds. But if it's not what you were hoping, open for, you got to do something about it. Okay. Yep. Either you have to save more to make that work, or you have to make some adjustments in your lifestyle. Okay. Uh, or your planned lifestyle in retirement, by the way, might not be pretty, but you can control that. By the way, it might be very difficult to do. It might not be, but at least you can control some of those things and lessen those risks of lower returns, okay? Um, an, another thing uh, that you have to think about if you're in the I'm taking the money stage of your life, if you're taking income out of your portfolio, as in pro probably retired, um, you kind of need to ask yourself, uh, Am I the, the money that I'm taking, uh, is it pretty much equal to just the dividends and interest that my portfolio provides? Or am I tapping into some of the growth potential of my portfolio to, to make a living or to, to, to earn my living? Okay. You know, w w what counts in, in the world when you're taking money out of your portfolio is how much you're taking and how much you're making. Okay. Uh, and by the way, if you can live on a portfolio of 30-year bonds locked in at 1.84% per year for the rest of your life, go for it, sort of a thing. If you can't do that, then you kind of got to do something else. So so one of the first uh, benchmark things we look at when we do a plan for folks and make investment recommendations is, well, how much are they going to need? You know, And if they're only going to need a couple of percent per year, well, that's one portfolio that's probably lower risk because uh, because that's how it is. If you need to tap into more than just the income, and by the way, what? 75% of the people we work with have to do that, right, Justin? I mean, tap into that growth? I'd guess? say so. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, the average person is 
you know, we don't live in a world where you uh, can live off your interest. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I mean, we, you know, there's and it's in getting the old, worse <laughs> in the old days, you know, in, your interest might have been, you know, three or four percent per year, yeah. uh, which is, you know, in the ballpark of what we recommend trying to take from your portfolio. But, you know, with with dividend rates sub two and interest rates sub two, uh, it's it's hard to get there on two percent. We, you know, we certainly have folks who can do it, but uh, it's not the it's not the average person by any stretch. Yeah. And, and like, so it was, these are just things to think about. So, so if you're retired folks, well, and, and if you're taking more than you're making, okay. Uh, well then, then the question pops up, well, you know, how long is the money going to last? That's a, that's a, a pretty important uh, question. If you are retired or thinking about retirement, well, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, you know, it, you know, if you are taking more than you're making, you better know how long that pile is going to last. And by the way, it's okay to spend capital, right? You know, if you, I mean, the capital that people accumulate, if you can't live on just your dividends and interest, have at it. Okay. Spend some of that capital that you've accumulated or the growth that you've had. But, you know, uh, then you start asking your questions, well, when does that, you know, when does it go to zero? And by the way, you can make a guess about that, folks, but you're probably a whole lot better off sitting down with a financial planner and try to get a, a more accurate uh, guess about that. You know, these are things that just pop through your mind. But I think the the, the biggest uh, comment we make, and pardon me for doing a shameless plug for having a comprehensive financial plan in place for all of your I life. Think, I think people are used to it. They, now, they, so. they ought to be. Okay. <laughs> you know, a, a while back you said that, you know, the, that the, uh, the returns that people make is part of the story, but not the only part of the story. That's correct. But by yep. the way, for a whole lot of people, what you do with your life financially in other areas is a lot more important than what you return on your investments, okay, is. And, and so there are many yep. financial decisions, okay, or choices that you can make in your life uh, that, that actually could end up a lot more valuable, okay, uh, th than what you're earning on your money. So we're not trying to be casual about what you earn. Right. It's got to it's gotta be plugged into your life and it's got to work, okay? And, and honestly, I'm sorry, but most folks listening to us probably don't have the time or the energy, the experience or the wherewithal all to make a pretty good guess about that and be okay, unless you have a whole lot of money and, and you're not worried about it, sort of the thing, you know. So I mean, it, you know, it is and was always the case that you you know your the return that you get on a portfolio is much less important than your you know your behavior. Whether you have a mortgage or not in yeah, retirement, I mean, you can yeah. you can you can earn twelve percent per year forever, and, and if you only you know if you only save a hundred dollars a month, it's probably not you know probably not going to be able to retire, right? It's it, that's just that's the the reality of the situation is this has always been the case, and you know what we're now advocating is that you kind of reassess what your uh, what your future return expectations are, which which then you know they they flow back into what you need to do from a behavior point of view, right? I mean, if 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 returns are going to be lower, that means you have you'll have to either save more or or in retirement be prepared to spend less or work longer, right? There's you know everything is a trade off, and I think what we're trying to what we're trying to hammer home here, here is that you need to think about this because it does affect your long term planning. Right, and if you if you look at rates of return over long periods of time, differences of of even you know even one percent per year over you know maybe like a over a thirty or forty year period are, are substantial. Right, so this is not even if we're even if people look at it and say, oh well, hey, you know your balance for. Portfolio is gonna it's gonna be five as opposed to you know as opposed to six or seven. It makes a fairly substantial difference when you're retirement, right? If it's a thirty-year retirement, a difference of one percent per year is meaningful. Yeah, yeah. But by, by the way, broke and you can earn five percent in your year and become extremely wealthy. You know, if you're earning five percent a year and taking one percent, you're probably you're five percent a year and spending ten. You got a problem. Okay, so so the return is the return. How much of it you need and what you do about it in your life? That's where that's where the, you know that that's where the uh, the rubber meets the road, I guess, in terms of how that works. Uh, yeah. yeah. So so let's let's talk about. Okay, so you have less bonds or more stocks or accept low or perhaps negative returns. Okay. So let's, let's go through the scenarios. Let's start with the, if you're going to accept 
you know, if you're not going to do anything and you're not going to get braver, but I, believe me, that's a perfectly appropriate choice and maybe exactly the right one for you. Okay. But, but here are some things, okay, that you might have to consider. Okay, if you're going to stay the course with what you consider your, I'm, I want guaranteed investments, or I'm a very conservative person. Well, that that's cool, as long as you can afford to be is where we come from yep. on that. Okay, but but anyway, so okay, if you're retired or if you're about to be, well, then here are the the things you need to think about. Well, do I need to work longer than I'm planning if my returns aren't where they're going to be? Okay, or uh, do I do some part-time work when I'm retired if my returns aren't going to be what I hoped for? Uh, or do I adjust my lifestyle and take one vacation a year versus three? Or do I gift my kids and grandkids $2,000 a year versus 20 or whatever? Okay, um, you know, uh, oh, oh, let's see. Well, I want to leave some money for my kids, but my legacy is now going to be I was a good parent, but there's no money left for you kids. Okay, uh, I, I, I'm being only a little facetious. Okay, uh, and as long, or by the way, if you're spending more than you're earning, and you're and you're, you're not going to try to earn more, you know, then then by the way, you better you better end your life on time. Okay, before you run out of money, or you'll be dependent on the kids. I'm I'm being semi I'm a lot facetious on that, but seriously, yeah. I I tell folks facetiously, you better die on time if you're planning on running out of money. Okay, but my <laughs> point is, that there are there are things that you may need to do if your money doesn't earn the returns that you hoped for or need, okay? Uh, and and th that's just reality. We have those discussions daily with, with folks, okay, who yeah. might be overextending going forward or are currently overextending. But like th those are your choices if you want to stand pat. And by the way, standing pat you, may be the perfectly appropriate choice for you. Right. you know, again, if, if financially, if financially speaking, you can live on one and a half percent of your money for the rest of your life, have at it, you know, stay with the government bonds or whatever sort of a thing that, that we're not saying good or bad. We're saying choices, appropriateness, not you know, yeah. good or bad. That, that Did I say that? politically yeah, the, strategic enough or well enough the, one. the title that we used yeah. you know that we keep saying get braver or poorer but you know that there, you know people uh people out there make that conscious choice in any market environment right i mean that's that's yeah. the yeah. that's the choice that a lot you know a lot of uh, folks are making now with the with a balanced portfolio right? anyone who, who doesn't have kind of an all equity portfolio has made the decision to be more conservative and accept a lower, likely long, longer term rate of return. So this isn't this isn't anything new. This trade off isn't anything new. It's just it's just now the trade off that we're talking about is kind of is is within an actual portfolio, right? I mean, we we've we've always we always have the discussion. Well, hey, you know, if you're aggressive, here's your here's your all stock model, and if you want to be a moderate, here's your 60, 40, 60 stocks, forty bonds model, and if you want to be conservative, you know, here's a twenty percent equity and and uh, and eighty percent bond. So folks, we, we walk folks through those decisions on a constant basis. The difference now is, is we're saying, well, hey, you're, you're, that's 60, 40 that maybe you thought was going to give you, you know, a 6% per year return. It might be, it might be different now. And so you just want to reassess and make your trade off. So, you know. Yeah. And, and if you're in that, by the way, I, in 40 years, I think I met three people who said they weren't conservative investors. Just everybody, <laughs> everybody you ever meet, right? It says I'm a conservative investor. It's just a question of what that really means. You know, how do you flesh that out? So, yep. so if you're in the camp where if you do get uh, lower returns than you were hoping for or you need. And if you're in that camp where you probably know you, you need to get braver, but you're scared to death or, you know, or just worried and, and whatever, you know, education and understanding uh, and, and maybe working with a professional advisor m might help you with that. I mean, I, I, I have to laugh Okay, you know, we we give our clients some risk questionnaires and risk tests to try to get an idea of what they feel about risk. But uh, it's been my point forever 
that how you feel about risk is what you know about risk. And if you don't know anything about what it really is or how it really works or what the numbers are, you're going to be scared to death forever because you don't know about it. And it's, it's been my point that I think if folks are accurately educated on what the heck the risks in the stock investing are and what the heck the realities are and how it works and what the heck the time, if people knew more about things, they might be more comfortable and they might be more risk comfortable, risk on, I guess is the term. Yep. Are you okay with that statement? I mean, I, I think without education, everything is scary as hell in the investment yep. world and everybody's risk tolerance is extremely low, but I think it's lack uh, of knowledge. Well, I lost all my money in the crash of 2007, 8, 9. Well, maybe you did a dumb thing and it wasn't the investments that were the problem sort of a thing. So my, 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 my politely speaking, but my, my point is that the more, you know, and we take a bunch of time with the folks we work with trying to train and educate them. And then, by the way, we spend more time after doing that, re remembering and refreshing the training <laughs> and the educating. And sooner or later, if everything works out, they get comfortable and, and yeah, they, they kind of get it. But it's not like you can't uh, learn about risks and, and feel more comfortable. That's a possibility for everybody who kind of knows they need to get a little bit more money, but they're scared to death. And I'm, I'm trying to be as sincere as I can about that. It's just, you know, yeah. it, 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 you know, the, the, the folks, you know, I, when, when it hits the fan in our office, how many phone calls do we get as a proportion of the clients that we have? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, not a lot, and, yeah. and that's certainly I think reflective of education. You know, it happens with you know, it happens with age as well, right? I mean, when yep. you're when you're a new investor, um, you know, most most kids don't grow up following the stock market, and yep. so you know, they hit their early twenties, they have a four hundred one k, and it's and it's you know, and you know, maybe inside of their four hundred one k, they were just handed you know, well, handed a piece of paper, or or maybe now more. Uh, more frequently, they're just told to log on to a website and they're given their 401k options and no one really walks them through that. So it, it, it certainly comes with age and experience as well. But yeah, if you're informed about the process, it's, it seems easier. And I think, I think I've, I think I'm finding that more and more that people are, are more informed. But yeah, hey, and by the way, the, the, the being old, optimistic. Justin, the, the old, trust me on this. I think you know this. The older you get and the more time you spend with your clients, the easier it gets. Okay, because yeah. they kind of get that stuff over time. And, and there's a percentage of folks out there who could do that on their own, but but whatever that percentage is, pardon a plug for financial advisors, because hopefully they can give you some shortcuts to the education, what you need to know and understand about that. I mean, people have busy lives there. This COVID world is making things crazy, but even without this COVID world, how many people have time to educate and train and you know get experienced with, with the real live world of investing? It's some percentage. Well, whoever's, yeah. whoever's not in that category ought to be talking to a financial advisor and maybe Maybe you might feel a little bit differently about what you think is a risky investment. That's all. You know, I think education is critical, okay, in anything, but it sure is critical to being a successful investor over the long run, sort of a thing. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So if you're in that, I'm conservative and I don't want to take any risk and I want guaranteed. I hope, I truly hope you can afford that and you know that. Okay. Uh, but if it comes to pass that somebody sits down and says, here's the math and it doesn't look so good, you may have to make some significant adjustments in your life. And, and if you choose to do that versus getting braver, it's a choice. You need to have enough information to make a reasonable decision about what you need to do to deal with that if that happens to pass. That's all. We're just trying to get you aware of it so you can do some thinking and make some good decisions. Okay, so so the last the last piece is the, well, well okay, I, I want to get- I was hoping you had something else. Well, so I, we got five minutes to I go. Know. Well, I, I want to <laughs> get braver. Let me you know. Let's, so to those folks yeah. who, who want to get braver, which translation means own more stocks and, and yep. uh, less bonds. Well, I, we got about what, four minutes to, four minutes to deal with that. Okay. So, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll put those folks into two broad categories, retired and, and working. Okay. For, for purposes of radio discussion, I guess. Uh, so if, if you're working and you're going to get braver with your portfolio, by the way, I, I think if you're uh under 45 years old, your portfolio should be 100% stocks. 
Okay, that's a broad, general, don't do it tomorrow, folks, but that's a general concept. Okay, I think you need to be prepared to do that. Okay, but anyway, if you're going to get braver and you're working, folks, you need lots of emergency reserves and you, you need to put yourself in a position that you can afford to have those braver investments that go up or down and sometimes but two, if you're working, you need to have enough money set aside to live your life if the world falls apart. And 2021 was never a better year, okay, to, to, to make an example of that, unfortunately, and drive that point home. So, so, so the secret to being a braver investor is to not have to touch your money when it hits the fan and have yep. the financial wherewithal to go on with your life uninterrupted, okay? If you're in that position, then you could get braver. By the way, if you're not, then that's a whole other, you, you, my, I guess my point is you have to be in a f position financially and maybe emotionally to be able to do that. But the financial part's the important part. You know, if, if I had a nickel for somebody who put a, 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 opened up an investment account that was not a retirement plan, I opened up a, a joint account with my spouse, or I opened up an account with my own. Uh, if I had a nickel, for everybody who said they promised to leave that money alone for 10 years or longer and didn't, okay, uh, I, I, I don't know, I, I guess I'd have a bigger boat. I'm not sure what the, but, but the point is, okay, that people, okay, uh, uh, you, you have to invest with the foundation behind you, okay, to be able to do that. And that's certainly the case if you got all your money in stocks or a good chunk of it. What are you smirking about? That, are you, you want to comment on that? Just you and your, yeah. The, <laughs> I, no, I, th I think that's right, though. I, I mean, you know, we, we, you know, to be clear, I'm, I, I always do have to pull you back on um, <laughs> some of your recommendations. This right? is supposed to be the other way, right? We're talking about the, you know, the, the financial ability to take on risk and, and, you know, not necessarily the psychological, right? I mean, you, you yeah. don't, I want to be clear that no one should have a more aggressive investment portfolio than you can handle from a, you know, from a psychological yep. point of view. Um, you know, I think we're, we're, you're certainly right. If we're, you know, if we were all robots, uh, then, and, and didn't have any emotions, then it would be relatively easy to, to design someone's risk tolerance, right? You just yep. say, Hey, you don't need the money for, uh, 10 or 15 years, all stocks, easy, done. Yep. Um, but you know, to be clear, not everyone can do that. And, yep. Uh, yep. I, you know, we, we acknowledge that even yeah. though, you know, you yeah, and, and we have clients who just can't take a certain level of risk and then they, and, and that's okay. You, you have to make that work. Okay. And, and again, if you're retired, well, you need those emergency reserves, but you also need two, three, four years worth of income set aside to deal with that. So, so the, 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 the thing that you have to have to get braver is financial backup to be okay and the time, which is equals to the time that you need to wait for things to get better, okay? Unless we go back to the Stone Age, the, the cycle is down, up, down, up, right? I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it takes, I think it takes a period of time for investors to kind of grow into that. Well, you can see that in the clients that you work with and that we work with, right? They, they get a little bit more comfortable over time as they go through a battle or a war or two and see how it works, you know? Yep. All right, time for you to make a sign off, my son. I think we're out of bullets here. Oh, all right. Well, hey, thank you for listening today. Um, you know, I, I hope we, I hope we informed you and didn't, and <laughs> didn't make too many bold statements, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was great talking to you all and we will see you next week. Mm -hmm.